Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Career Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Avila. And sorry for my raspy voice. I went out with some friends last night and had some drinks and I talked a little bit too much. <laughs> Go figure. Um, so today's episode is Liesl Hayes. And I say this every time. I'm so sorry, but it was such a fun episode to record. So I'll just jump right in into what it was so fun about it. Liesl's story is amazing. She was unhappy in her life, both kind of personally, mostly professionally. Her career was just not really where she needed to be. And this led to a rock bottom moment for her. And I'll let you listen in the podcast. She talks about exactly one specific moment in her life where she realized she was kind of at this rock bottom place. But then what's so amazing about Liesl's story is the transformation that happens after that rock bottom. So how we take this significant moment where we feel like we're at our worst and use it to really explore who is, who is she? What does she want to do? What is that thread that has been kind of calling at her between all of her career decisions and personal decisions? And where does she want to take herself next to be the next version of herself? And it's so much fun to listen to her talk about exactly how to go through those steps and figure out what it is you're meant to be doing. We've talked a lot on this podcast about that thread that is underlying those different career decisions. And Liesl frames it in just an amazing way, better than I ever could. The other thing we talk about in this episode that I found fascinating is the idea of big experiences that we have that are supposed to be amazing, right? So graduation, um, having kids, birth, you know, starting a family, these things that we're kind of conditioned to think are only positive, right? It's the culmination of all of our hopes, our dreams, our goals, everything we wanted in life. And we're supposed to go and celebrate and be happy and have big parties. Um, but there's more emotions that exist during these timeframes. And so if we think about like graduating college, of course, we're happy. It's a big moment. It's a big goal that we've reached. But there's also maybe some grief in there for friends that you might never get to see again, or a life, um, a whole host of habits and day-to-day -day routines and things that are just going to kind of disappear almost overnight. And you're supposed to just walk into this new job and this new life and just be happy and not realize that there's some grief in there and maybe some guilt for feeling a little bit sad at the same time. And then confusion because you think you should be happy. So we really talk a lot about how to sit in our emotions and sit in these big life-changing moments, the rock bottom moments, the amazing like graduation moments, the having children moments and take stock of every emotion that you're feeling at that point and what it means and how it's okay to have multiple emotions at the same time and conflicting ones at that and really process where we are and who we are. We talk a lot about just figuring out who we are. I even talk about the story of how I was like 24 and I had to figure out my favorite color because I didn't know, which seems silly. Um, but finding out who we are and how that can lead us to be a better version of ourselves, which brings us to her book that is coming out called Broken, Changed, and Rearranged. You are just one unbearable truth away from the next person you are meant to be. I pre-ordered mine immediately after talking to her on this podcast because it just, her story is so amazing. I can't wait to read it. It's available for pre-order anywhere you buy books, Amazon bookshop, wherever. It comes out December 7th and I highly suggest that you order it. We'll also throw some of that out on our social media. So without further ado, please enjoy Liesl Hayes. Hi everyone, welcome to the Career Journey Podcast, where we explore exciting careers and how to get them from the people who flipped it. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Avila. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Exactly, and I feel like we are often, or at least students now, are just 
told from forever that it's like permanent. You go to school, you get a job, you pick these things. I, you know, in psychology, we have a lot of students that want to go on to graduate school, but have no idea why they just think that's the next step. And just what you were saying of it, you do what you want to do sounds so foreign. <laughs> and I think it's really hard for people to grasp when you've been told, you know, you go to college, you get a job that, oh, you just, you know, you follow what you want to do in a given moment and you see where it goes is just so hard for people to grasp. <laughs> yes. And I think a big part of it too, is that it's throughout most of our lives where there's like a solid track, right? It's, you go to elementary school, then you go to junior high, then you go to college, or then you go to high school, then you go to college, you know? It's just, there's this, this written out story that's been created for you. And ultimately, while that path is great for a lot of people, it's important to evaluate and ask yourself the question, is this really what I want for my life? Right. And I think college is the perfect time to really start asking those questions. And I think how you're putting it, that it's prescribed for you all the way up until high school. And then all of a sudden you get to college and now it's a choice. And now you have to choose what are you going to do forever? And I think sometimes going to college is just easier because it feels more prescribed. It's, you know, my parents are saying that I should go to college and that I need college for a degree. And I mean, at, some, at one point you kind of did. Every job pretty much required a bachelor's degree, even ones that honestly didn't need it. Um, but even that's changing. Big corporations now are kind of getting rid of the bachelor's degree and starting to do more online skills training. And, you know, so it can become more of that choice. And I think it's hard when things are prescribed for so long. How do you all of a sudden change to choose uh, it? <laughs> totally. And it's, it's interesting to even think about just asking yourself the question, what do I want to do with my life? What brings me energy? What brings me joy? And like you said, so many corporations now are hiring based on a skill set. I love computer science is a really good example. So I mean, software engineering is obviously, you know, a really hot job in the market, but there are so many companies now that they're not even requiring a bachelor's degree in computer science because coding is something that can be self-taught and there are so many ways for people to acquire that knowledge now that they don't necessarily have to have that traditional path. So it's interesting, like you said, to see that with corporations as well, recognizing not everyone has to have a bachelor's degree to be successful in this job. Well, and especially I think online platforms for education were taking off in, you have like Teachable and you have all these things that allow you to just create your own courses. And I think now that we've already made a jump because of COVID to online education, where a lot of students were very resistant to it. And some of my most resistant students are now like, can I keep going online? Like, I don't want to go back into person. I want to roll out of bed and go to class. Yes. So I think it's going to take off even more now that there's less resistance to it. There's more information out there about how to make it a better experience. And I think a lot of those, especially like you're saying, tech industry companies are going to kind of take off and not get rid of, but devalue the bachelor's degree a little bit, which is weird to say. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to your story because your story is extremely exciting. Um, and again, exactly kind of the reason that I started this podcast. So I'm going to back up a little bit more than I think your book kind of takes you to in your story. And I'm going to ask you from the very beginning, did you have dreams of what you wanted to do as a child? So I've always known as a little girl that I was a writer and I like to call myself a word artist because I think it sounds fancier. I like it. But I've always loved to write and I've always been very creative. Like I remember as a little girl sitting in the garden with my mom during the summer and just like reading her all of the stories that I had created. 
And I also always loved theater and drama. So I would say that if I had to pick as a little girl what I wanted to be, it was to be a writer or an author or to be in theater. And I was told at a very young age that those professions were kind of pie in the sky. They weren't going to make me any money. They were kind of, you know, a dream. And I was always told, you know what, that's great, but just always have, have a, let them be your backup. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Oh, the worst advice ever. I know, but we all got it, didn't we? We did. Yeah. I had the same dream. I was a little bit more on the theater side and then writing was kind of secondary, but I think they just go hand in hand because it's stories essentially is what I loved. And then, so obviously you turned out to be a writer, but let's talk about kind of where you went after that. So once you realized, I mean, you knew from a very early age that you wanted to be a writer, did you go straight into writing or did you dabble in anything else before that? So, you know, I've always been a writer. I mean, I've always kept journals. I've always started blogs that I've never finished all the things (laughs) that all of us like typical writers do. However, you know, when I went to college, I started a four-year degree and I was a political science major. Okay. And I decided I was going to be a lawyer because, you know, lawyers are just frustrated actors, apparently. (laughs) I think every profession is frustrated actors. (laughs) Yes, I think that's probably a fair point. And so, you know, I went on this pre-law path after I graduated and wanted to take the LSATs. And I remember my senior year sitting in like the stacks in the library. Do you remember those? Um, Like there were just... I think we were researching, I don't know, it was like a Supreme Court justice project and I got Sandra Day O'Connor. And I remember sitting in the stacks, like studying all of these different Supreme Court cases. And I thought to myself, like, is this what I want to do with my life? And it inconveniently happened in the second semester. Oh no. (laughs) Of my senior year. And I realized that it it wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. And I felt really lost in that moment because I had this like solid plan and it was, it was a goal that everyone thought was great. You know, they were like, oh, you're going to be a lawyer. That's so great. You know, it was great to tell at all the parties and my parents loved that. They could tell all their friends I was going to be a lawyer. And then I found myself not knowing what I was going to do with my life. And that was the first time I didn't have a plan. Yeah. So was that really scary? It sounds like. (laughs) It was so scary because I had been an achiever my whole life. I still am to my detriment. But at the time I just didn't, I didn't know what to do. So I didn't get a job after I graduated. I was a substitute teacher for like six months and then slowly realized that working for $10 an hour probably wasn't going to pay the bills. No. And especially a job as hard as teaching a lot of kids. Seriously. Teachers are special humans, (laughs) like seriously special humans. That deserve to be paid so much more. It is wrong how underpaid those incredible people are because they, they just have a gift and I did not have the gift (laughs) and that's okay. So I actually, about six months after I graduated, I had a friend um, who offered me a job at a local health department and it was working in tobacco use prevention. And that was my first real job out of college. So yeah. And what was that like? I mean, that still sounds not quite what you were longing to do. What was it like being in that job? I mean, it felt rewarding that I had a real job because it was the story I could tell people. And my parents were excited. Like they could say, oh, you have a job that has real benefits and all the things. But it wasn't, it wasn't my passion, but it was definitely it was work, right? Like it was work. It was what I was supposed to do. 
I followed the trajectory and, you know, it was a job. And you're obviously not at that company now. So how did you decide or how did you come about leaving that job? So I left that job and eventually started a career in human resources. So I worked for about a decade in human resources and got to the place where I worked for a very large corporation and I worked about 60 hours a week. And I got to the place where I was totally burnt out. We had two small children at the time, my husband and I did. And I like to tell people that I was the last mom to pick up my kids at daycare, like almost every day. I was like that mom who was trying to like beat the clock. And I felt like I was half a person in every single aspect of my life. And remember thinking to myself, something has got to give. Like, I cannot keep going at this rate. Like, I'm not going to have a husband. I'm not going to have a family. I'm not going to have a job. Like, no one is meant to live like this. And so it sounds like, obviously, you were very unhappy in that life. And I know from reading about your book that's coming out really soon in June, This is probably around that 2016 timeline where everything's kind of down for you. Is it really your career at that point that's making you feel that way? Or is it kind of a mess of a lot of different things in your life? Or was it central, like your career was bringing everything else down or more everything kind of mixed together? So I will tell you at the time, Brittany, I thought it was my career. I was confident it was my career. It was what I had chosen to do. And what I later unraveled is that the root of me really overworking, because I I give my all, or I used to give my all to everyone. I always wanted to be the martyr. I wanted to be the person who stepped in and did all the hard work. And I was the person that you called on, like when you had a last minute request. And if it was Saturday, I'd answer your email. And if it was Sunday and you needed something in an hour, I was your person, right? So for me, I very quickly unraveled after leaving my corporate job that, and not quickly, that's actually not true. It took me a solid year to unravel that. I think a lot of the times we have patterns and routines and behaviors that we take into the next version of our story and we don't really sit and analyze the things we need to change about ourselves. Now, I will tell you this, that story and that career, it wasn't necessarily the wrong story, but it wasn't the right story. Interesting. And so you're in this period where you know that something's got to give because it's all about to kind of come tumbling down. So how does it come tumbling down? Did you make a decision? Did something happen? Okay, so this is the part where I always have to like call on my courage because it's, it's a really difficult story to tell out loud. But I remember the moment where I was like that this was no longer going to work anymore. I was like, I am in crisis and, and the person that I, I am is not who I want to be. And I was sitting in a translucent glass office with my manager. And she said to me that she knew that I was having an affair with someone at work. And that was, there are a few moments in my life where I believe that the person that I was on the path to become and continuing to become was not the person that I wanted to be. And a big part of that was me self-sacrificing at work. Part of it was choosing a career that wasn't 100% mine. And it was becoming everything to everyone. And that was the moment that I knew something had to give, something had to change. And that's, I mean, profound to be able to realize that. I mean, horrible to have to realize it in a moment, but to be able to reconcile who you are with who you want to be. I mean, that's, I think, what everybody's striving to end up learning. So. Yeah. And how many times, Brittany, sometimes I think about this, um, 
how many times does the universe like gently call us back into our calling? Like not in a way that's as harsh as me having that crisis fall on the floor moment. Like there were so many times where I had opportunities to make a different choice and I didn't. Yes. And I think what I would encourage young people to do is to really examine those moments in their lives, right? Where they're like, I know this isn't working for me on a micro scale. How do I change it? How do I think about it differently? And I think that's a hard exercise, but if we keep living a certain way for too long, then we end up with those not so great fall on your face moments, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I came across a question on social media the other day that asked, if you could go back and start, I think it was high school, like start at the beginning of high school and you'd start over, but you don't know anything that you've learned since then. So you're basically just starting over. Would your life be the same? And it got me thinking of exactly those little things because at first you think if I don't know what I know now, then of course it would just go along the same line. But then I started thinking there's so many of those exact moments you're describing where you're sitting there and you're like, this isn't the right spot. Like kind of how you're saying you remember being in that translucent office. You remember that I had the same kind of epiphany once in college where I was sitting on the floor, like of my bedroom crying. And I'm like, this isn't who I want to be. How do I change and move forward? And there's so many little moments like that. And if at any one of those you chose to awaken or to choose something different, it could dramatically change the whole trajectory. Totally. And you know what else is so hard about, I think when you're young, you start to hold other people's expectations too close. Yes. (laughs) And I think what's so hard is there are so many well-meaning people that speak into our lives, right? Like I always say the intention behind people saying to me, well, have a good solid backup plan because that's definitely going to be challenging on the money front. Like their intentions were good. But oftentimes we become a collection of what everybody else wants for our lives. Mm -hmm. And we live out stories that please other people, but they don't please us. And I think when you're young, it's harder to really differentiate the things that you want and the things that other people want for you. Absolutely. So hard. And I didn't learn that lesson until I was in like my mid thirties. Right. But I, I want to give that to people in their twenties because I think it would just like save so much time. Right. Oh my gosh. I remember in my twenties trying to figure out something as simple as like my own favorite color. I was very a, a people pleaser at heart. So I would always just kind of mold into whatever group, whatever person, people were around. And I remember like trying to break free and I was like 24 and living on my own. And I'm like, what's my favorite color? Like, what are these things? What do I want? And then lo and behold, 10 years later in my mid thirties, I'm in a therapy session and she's like, well, when was the last time you were happy? That moment when I was figuring out what I wanted. Well, I think you've lost sight of what you wanted and you need to figure it out again. I'm like, why does this repeat? <laughs> so, but it's a mind blowing experience. And I was the same way. So I very much grew up as like a people pleaser. And I remember like one of the things that was key to me emerging out of crisis was to start to ask myself what I wanted. And I remember one of the first exercises was for me to be like, what routines like keep me healthy? And I remember being like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't even know what I like. Cause you know, people be like, well, just do you like <laughs> dig deep and like, do you? And I'm how like, do what I if do I don't that? know what me? Like, that how, what if I, <laughs> like, that was where I was working from when I was digging myself out of crisis, but oh, I yeah. slowly like do things and I'd be like, oh, I like coffee all by myself. That's right. No one's here drinking coffee with me right now. I'm just drinking coffee alone and I like it. And I remember being like, I like coffee. 
<laughs> I remember when I was choosing my favorite color, I was sitting outside on a balcony and I was looking around and I was like, okay, well, here's the colors I have to choose from. So I chose green because I liked it. And like, now I'm like so happy about my favorite color and I'll tell everybody because I'm like, I chose it. And it's, it seems like something so small, but I think, you know, even if it's not your favorite color or coffee, I think everybody's experienced that awakening or is about to experience it if they're a little bit younger of how much of what I like and what I do is my own doing and how much of it is like you're saying other people's expectations, things that we've just kind of gathered throughout, you know, we internalize some things that people say as like offhand comments sometimes and navigating what part of it is you and what part is everybody else is extremely difficult. And as I'm experiencing in my mid thirties, a lifelong process. Yes, it definitely is. And I love that you love the color green. I think that's awesome. (laughs) And sometimes it is just that small of an exercise, right? Like people wonder, well, how do I get to the place where I know what I really love and really value? And it's like, you don't have to start with anything super hard. Like don't, don't start there. Start with like, I like coffee or peppermint shower gel is also my jam. That's one of the first things I figured out. And I remember like telling everyone, I think it was kind of awkward at parties for a while. Cause I was, I was really trying to like be authentic and show up as Liesl. Um, and I remember being like, I really love peppermint shower gel, like multiple, multiple parties and talking to multiple it. people. And they probably are like, you are a weirdo. Right? <laughs> yeah. I remember for me, it was music and movies because I like a lot of really good music and movies, but I also really like really bad movies and like (laughs) really campy, just horrible movies. And they bring me so much joy. And like, I remember my husband who is not into movies or entertainment at all, which is really weird. Um, He was like, why are you watching this? Like, he's like, you consume movies like crazy. Why are you watching these really horrible ones? And I had to get, come to it and just be like, I really like bad movies. Like, that's part of who I am. And, you know, you have to be proud of it almost. And so you start to be like, just like you're saying, you start to lead with those things of like, I really like bad movies. Is that a deal breaker for you? <laughs> you're like, because if it's a deal breaker, like, we're probably not going to work out. Right. You're, you're like, I'm not asking you to watch them with me, but I need you to understand my love of bad movies. I like bad movies. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So I want to bring us back a little bit um, to kind of that moment in your life and then what happened after that. So you realized that something needed to change. How did you go from that realization to making a change? So I remember really well. I came home after another really bad day at work. And this was after the knowledge of my secret came out to everyone. And obviously my husband knew too. And I had another horrible day at work. Like it was just another bad day. And I came home and I was on this like long rant, Brittany, and just the typical rant, complaining about work, all the things. And my husband usually played the role of listening to me, telling me it was going to be okay. But this night was different. I think that he had reached his limit and he would, Mm -hmm. he told me later he had reached his limit. Yeah. And he said to me, he's like, you know, this is the same story every day. He's like, you come home at least three of the five days a week. And this is what you sound like. And he's like, what do you want to do with your life? Like, what do you really want to do, Liesl? And I remember at the time, Brittany, I was super annoyed by that question. I was like, okay, so number one, I'm like, I don't get to ask that question anymore. We have responsibilities. We have a house. We have two kids. We have dogs. Like we have things to keep alive. And I don't get to ask myself, what do you want to do with your life? Like, that's not a helpful question. And what I really need you to do is help me with strategies on how to manage everything in my life. Like, that's what I need. And we got in a fight about it. And I went upstairs and I went to sleep because I was mad at him and he was mad at me. Mm -hmm. And I woke up the next morning and 
Brittany, for me, the morning is like this time of just clarity for me. I don't know why I am the most clear in the morning. Yeah. And I remember thinking that was actually a really good question. And why don't we allow ourselves the space to ask that question? Just because we've gone down a certain path doesn't mean that path is permanent. And it's important to reevaluate every now and then, like, is what I'm doing, does it bring me joy? Now, of course, we all have our bad days at work, but at the end of the day, are most of my days at work good? Are most of my days fulfilling? And I think that for me was the turning point to be able to ask myself the question, imagine what it would be like to do something different. And so I started asking myself that question and I started exploring it. And I love hospitality. I love serving people. I love helping people heal, rest, relax. It's my personality. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, I'd love to own an inn. So yeah, that's where that dream came from. <laughs> that's awesome. And I really like pointing out the underlying things in a career that you like, because again, I think what young people are led to believe, or certainly I was, is you go for one career and like that career is unique. Like there's no underlying thing with anything else so like for me like you go into psychology you're in psychology like you're gonna you know whatever at the time I thought it was like therapy and you have to do therapy and then you can't translate that anywhere else and what I've learned over the years is no there's underlying so like you know I loved acting I loved writing I loved teaching I love psychology and under all of those is stories and under this podcast I just love people's stories and experiences. And so there's something underlying each of these. And I really like that you kind of took the time and picked out what are those things that I like to do? Because even with those different things, hospitality, helping people, making them feel better, those transcend multiple. So owning an inn, but also writing your book and telling your story and things like that as well. Yes, and Brittany, I love that because I think one of the most critical questions on that journey too is who am I outside of all the hats I wear? And I think so often we're taught in our lives to define ourselves based on, you know, I'm, hi, I'm Liesl, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm an entrepreneur. And we don't ask ourselves the question when you pull back all of those things, what is the core thing that makes you tick? What are the things that really bring you joy? And for you, you identified stories, right? There's this element for you that connects you to every role that you probably play in your life. Yeah. It's hearing other people's stories. It's listening to them, being engaged with them. And that transcends any role you will ever play. Um, for me, and I know this sounds cheesy, so get ready because it's such an overused phrase, but for me, like I had to dig down deep and I push people to be the next version of who they're meant to be. And I see people for their potential and I, I want to usher them like to that thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm a little impatient about it, which doesn't <laughs> serve me well. <laughs> But I do that in everything I do. Like I mother that way. I, I'm a wife that way. I'm a sister that way. Like I'm a pusher. Like <laughs> that's just what I do. Yeah. And I can't help but show up that way. So yeah, I think we all need to spend more time exploring who am I outside of all the roles that I play. Absolutely. As somebody now with two young children, I feel like that's me and everyone I know in this stage of life is trying to figure out who am I away from this role, away from that role. And I think even my college students feel that really intensely too, because 
I notice when they're about to graduate, there's this, and I had it too. Oh no, what am I now? If I'm not a student, what do I do now that I'm not in school? Like, how do I change all of my routines? Right. So it's in every stage of life, but yes, we all need to take a step back and figure out what, again, is that underlying motivation for us that can translate into any career, any situation, any relationship, that universal motivation. Totally. And it, it can change. I mean, maybe it is, it does change at different phases in life. I don't think that my core motivation has much changed as I explore it. But I do think it's an important thing to explore in every phase. Who am I outside of these roles? And motherhood, oh my goodness, Brittany, it is a, it is one of those things where you, you feel like you lose a part of your identity mm -hmm. and it is, it, especially with young children, it's challenging. And it's another phase where you have to say like, how do I find this, this balance of what, what brings me joy individually as Brittany and separating myself from just being someone's mom, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. It, it is hard with young kids because they're so dependent on you, like not only for life, but everything, all of their social, like everything up until a point and then they'll leave. <laughs> like, this is why it always shocked me. I won't belabor this point too long, but it shocks me how people get surprised by postpartum depression. And I'm like, oh, I totally understand postpartum depression. Oh, yeah. One, I had it. But two, it's like your life as you know it is Dumb. over gone. <laughs> it's done. So like all the things that you were have now changed. Like you can't just go to a movie periodically. Was, like was, you can't be spontaneous. <laughs> I was just talking about that in therapy actually. Cause I was like, basically my problems right now are stemming from, I remember like I was driving home at night like after a long day of work and it was dark outside and I was like I haven't driven when it's dark outside in forever like it felt so free I was like remember when I could just like go to the store at night yes <laughs> I'm like that's gone like I can't just go get yogurt at 8 p.m because I have you know this routine so yeah I totally understand that yeah I mean I think postpartum depression makes a ton of sense like, I'm just like, of course, like anyone working through such a dramatic change, it's pretty normal to go through that feeling of depression or experiencing depression until you get to a place where you figure it out, but it's hard. Well, I think something I've noticed in the last few weeks too, is I think we ourselves and kind of as a society don't really give ourselves the chance to adjust to the big life stressors. So the big life stressors, graduating college, moving, um, having children, changing careers, divorce, all of these things are huge life stressors. And I feel like we expect ourselves just to keep going. So my college graduates are like, well, I'm really overwhelmed, but I don't have time to think about that. So let's just plan the next thing. And I'm like, stop and explore that for a minute. Because, you know, and the same thing with kids, we don't, we just kind of all right, you're a parent now, you have to just keep going into this realm and you can't take time to really think about it. And we don't really give ourselves that chance to realize, hey, this is a big stressor. I mean, psychology literally calls them the major stressors of life. And we don't step back and think, how am I going to handle this? What am I going to do? What do I need? Those types of things. Such a solid point. And I think you're right. We don't allow ourselves the space to adjust to something that's life-changing. Yeah. And I, I actually was having a conversation with someone in the UK and we were actually talking about just the differences between like maternity and paternity leave oh, in yeah. the U S versus Elsewhere, the UK. where they actually give yeah. you some. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, we think you Americans are crazy. It is crazy. You have to go back after like three weeks. It's ridiculous. You know, she's like, we don't I'm like, even I'm not know even healed. <laughs> oh yeah. She's like, we don't even know how you do it. And I'm like, yeah, that's because we I don't, don't either. Do very gracefully. <laughs> we don't either. We don't know how we do it. But that, again, it's, Hey, you know, you just had a child. 
three weeks later, you have to go back to work. And that's for maternity leave. Paternity leave doesn't even really exist. And like, we forget too, especially with men in in society that they also had a big transition. We're just like, nope, see ya, keep going to work the whole time. Like, totally (laughs) no adjustment whatsoever. And then again, same for college students, like that semester of, hey, I've been a student my entire life. I've been in this one world, this role, you know, I mean, most college students have jobs, but it's not the same as what they're transitioning to. And then they go into their career and we're just supposed to say, hey, don't even think about it. Just keep going. <laughs> like, don't stop for any minute. Like, it's insane. This is why maybe, is this why the gap years become a thing? Because oh, I'm an advocate years. of the gap year. Love gap years. There's actually a company that will pay you if you're using your gap year for something I hate to say like productive because I hate that word right now, but Mm -hmm. if you're using it for something that's like enriching personally or professionally in some way, they'll like actually pay for your gap year. And I'm like, I love this idea. I love that. It was such a stigma for so long. I have students that come in there and they're like, I think I'm thinking about a gap year, but like, it's almost like a four letter word. They're like, should I even be thinking this? And I'm like, heck yes. Like, let me tell you how my forced gap year went and changed my life and was like the best year ever. Um, so definitely pro gap year too. Sign me up. <laughs> it's been a while since I graduated, but sign me up. I think I'm going to clean gap year here pretty soon. We could take gap years in between careers too. I think that would be a good idea. I think we can. I think we should totally make that happen. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to back up again because we always get a little off track, but You had the idea to, or you had the dream to open an inn. So what happened from there? So I left my job in August of 2016. Mm -hmm. And then we opened the inn in October of 2016. Oh, wow. That's fast. (laughs) It was, again, didn't allow myself the time to make that transition, right? right. It's just not from one thing to the next. And it was, it was hard to leave my corporate job and not have like a thing I was doing. Mm-hmm. And a part of that, I think, is my own pride, but I think it was also just the expectations. Now, I chose a story that I loved, so that was helpful. And I did choose a career I loved, but I will tell you those first those months in between August and October, I mean, it's kind of a blur. It was just, it was a lot of work. Yeah. It really was. And we were all hands on deck. Like we had family members help. We had friends help. I mean, it was, it was a lot to accomplish that in that time period. Yeah. Do you think part of the reason you went kind of full steam ahead like that was to not really think about or analyze the decision? No, not at all. I mean, not even a little bit, Brittany. Yes, (laughs) totally. I mean, so one of the things that I learned that I really um, suck at in therapy that I worked through was sitting with my pain Mm -hmm. and really sitting with my feelings and allowing myself to feel the things I need to feel and then allow them to like wash over me, right? But how I kind of avoided my feelings was I inserted busyness into my life. And busyness is rewarded in our culture. So it's it's great being an achiever yeah. because it's like you're using this crutch that you know isn't helping you deal with what you're going through, but then the world Balance, rewards you yeah. for it. Yeah. And it's very so, yeah. easy to cover up what's going on with it because then you have those external validations and you can say, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Totally. All right. So how did the opening go? Was it everything you dreamed of? Um, it was not, it was not everything I dreamed of at all, but you know, I think a lot of us entrepreneurs do this we open a business and we have like this rosy colored glasses version of what it's going to be like. We over project in our business plan and we assume that like all we have to do is just open something and you know, if we build it, they will come, right? (laughs) Yep. As long as I market it, it'll be perfect. Yeah. It'll be totally good. And the first year of business was brutal. 
And not that I didn't love what I was doing, but we weren't making any money. And in fact, not only were we not making any money, we were bleeding money like every single month. And we were wholly undercapitalized, which is another entrepreneur 101 mistake that I learned the hard way. But we hung on and we made it through that first year. And every year it's gotten easier. And every year we've made more money minus COVID, but that year doesn't, I feel like that was some kind of weird year for all of us, but it wasn't everything I imagined it to be, but it was everything that I needed in my life to become the next version of who I was meant to be. Awesome. And does that bring us to kind of where you are now? I mean, I know you or writing, or you wrote a book, because I assume by now it's done since it's coming out in June. So what was that experience like? Mm, So Brittany, again, um, this is my ego. I actually wrote an entirely different manuscript before I, I released this one. Okay. So I wrote a manuscript I was about 20,000 words in and it was all about like leadership behaviors that are really critical for people when they're facing change in their lives. And I'm on the deck writing one day and every single time I try and write this other manuscript, the one that currently exists in the world keeps coming to the surface. I never planned on telling my difficult story out loud. You know how we all have stories that we just like want to keep locked away? Yeah. I just never planned on sharing the story about my affair out loud. And I had to let go of my ego to be able to realize that that story was the story that I was meant to share with the world. And to know that this story was going to help other people heal but it was hard. It was hard. And it took me two years to write it because I still had to process through a lot of, a lot of pain, you know, and, and my family went through a ton, a ton as well. You know, they had to process through their pain. So it was a slow moving journey, but it was, it's, it's coming out now, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. So the ebook launches in September or yeah, September. And then it's available in bookstores in December, which is really exciting. And the book is like a self-development memoir hybrid. So it really walks through just the different phases that we go through in our own personal lives and how we kind of at any given point in time, we are either broken, changed, or rearranged. And so it's really designed to help people work through the different phases that they experience in their lives and be able to move forward in that phase. That's awesome. And so obviously it was cathartic kind of writing it, but how did it feel to finally be doing that part of your dream. I mean, you had a dream to be a writer when you were such a young age. Were you able to kind of experience like that joy alongside kind of all that pain that you were, you know, re-evaluating? It's funny because not until recently, but the reason why is because the book really became real. So I actually finalized everything to go to print today. So it's all, it's congratulations. Thank you. That's exciting. And I told my husband, this is rare being an achiever personality. I was like, I think I'm done achieving. Like, I feel like this goal is the goal that I always wanted to meet. And he's like, yeah, I don't believe that for a second. But (laughs) Temporarily, at least. He's like, I think temporarily you're kind of satiated in your need for achievement. And I was like, I really am. Like, I said, what dreams do you have? What do we, what do we need to focus on for you? And he's like, I still don't believe you're done achieving. I was like, that is fair. But yes, like I still feel so good about it being done. It's weird to be in a place for me where I'm just like, I don't need anything else right now. Right. It's a good feeling. (laughs) So who knows what's next? That's true. (laughs) 
That's exciting. Maybe I'm going to take a gap year. We, you should take a gap year. <laughs> Do something productive. You might get that company to pay for it. No, right? I need to look into this. <laughs> I think it's geared towards high school students going into college, but. Well, I mean, Brittany, we maybe what we can do is just create our own gap year thing and we can make it where first it's for new moms and then we can make it for a major career transition. So we can just make the gap year happen outside All the of, time. yeah, yeah. Anytime you need it. All the time. Anytime you need it. I'm sure we can find some investors who would make that happen for us, right? Maybe, Certainly. yeah. Free therapy too, the whole time you're doing it. <laughs> Even better. All right. Well, I usually like to close out with kind of a big question of, you know, you've sprinkled in a lot of really, really good advice throughout this episode, but if there was kind of one or two main pieces of advice that you would give to people, you know, from all of your experiences, what would that be? Definitely. So I think my biggest piece of advice would be, Oftentimes we become a collection of what everyone else wants for our lives. And we don't always realize that we're doing it. We take one opinion and we take it to heart. And then we take another opinion and we take it to heart. And eventually these opinions about who we should be separate us from who we really are. And so it's critical that we ask ourselves the question, who am I outside of everyone else who exists around me? And what am I outside of the roles that I currently play and what inspires me? So I think that would be, if I could boil down the most important life lesson, I think that would be it for me. At least that's what I'm going to say being almost 40. It may change when I'm 50. So we can talk again. I think it absolutely will change because I've noticed at least, you know, where I was when I was 24 to where I am now at 35. It's, it's some things stay the same. Some things change. Definitely. Awesome. Well, that was great advice. And thank you for sharing your story. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I super appreciate yeah. it. Thank you for listening to the Career Journey Podcast. Head over to our website at careerjourneypodcast.com for more information and the latest episodes. See you next time.